Welcome to AM Best Audio. The director's and officer's insurance sector has recently witnessed some big changes, including significant declines in rates, particularly in public DNO. I'm Lori Chortis for AMBEST TV, and joining us now to discuss that and other major shifts in the DNO insurance landscape is Colin Daly. He's an executive vice president and financial lines practice co-leader at CAC Specialty. Colin, welcome. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me, Lori. I appreciate it. So, Colin, can you tell us about the current state of the DNO market? Yeah, very interesting times. Um, I think one word that comes to mind very quickly is it's a very competitive marketplace. Um, when you think of the current marketplace, lots of new entrants, lots of longtime carriers that have been there, uh, a lot of activity on pricing and coverage and, and other things that are happening. We've had great success in this current market with our clients on all of those things. Um, and it's given us the opportunity to help our clients on Pricing, of course, which is what everyone seems to pay attention to, um, but also on coverage and making sure that the broadest coverage is available for our customers, new things that they might need to get addressed can get addressed. This is a perfect opportunity to do all of those things. Obviously, the counterparty risk is huge. Who are you trading with? Who is your DNO partner? Who's there to pay your claims? Uh, great opportunity that we've had to kind of look, re-look at that for some folks. Um, and continue to look at it for others. And then retentions obviously uh, play part of this marketplace too. And so all of those things are competitive in giving uh, the buyer a, a much, much of a leg up. Um, I would also say, you know, something about the current state is that, you know, carriers weren't expecting 23 to go the way that it went. Um, and so I think there was a bit of uh, surprise there uh, it kind of picked up pace throughout the year, uh, especially in the middle part of the year. And and then a lot of activity with regards to we can't let this continue to happen and uh, what's going to happen in 24. So I think there's a bit of anxiety in this current marketplace as well. Um, and the anxiety is about not about 23 anymore because that's pretty much done, but it's more about what's going to happen in 2024. So th that would be my um, description of the current state of the marketplace. Well, before we look ahead to 2024, just looking back at 2023, can you tell us about some of the changes, the developments or challenges that we saw in the market in 2023? Yeah, I think the biggest thing we saw was was price. Um, that was the one that was, I think, probably most unexpected from the insurer's perspective and, and maybe even from the buyer's perspective, too. And there's different pockets of the way the price played out, Lori. And um, for those companies that had a very high perceived risk over the last three years or so, um, and really felt the unfortunate events of the hard market, um, IPOs, DSPACs, uh, maybe even life sciences, financially distressed companies, that they saw significant price increases over the last couple of years. And so what we saw in 23 uh, was a huge shift in those particular companies. And I think that was a bit unexpected. That was a challenge to the marketplace. Great for the buyer, uh, rightfully so. Uh, but the carriers weren't expecting that. And we saw increases for those types of companies all over the board. 
30% decreases to 70% decreases. Not everybody saw those, but there were some of those that were out there and all risk related, but uh, unbelievable shifts that I think folks just weren't anticipating were gonna happen. Um, and so I think that was a big, a big challenge. Another challenge uh, was the fact that the new, new business um, really wasn't there in 23. Uh, so what is new, new business? It's, IPOs is the easiest example to kind of describe a new, new. Um, and the IPOs, you know, really were not that strong in 23. And so you throw in all of these new competitors and carriers that were also excited about where things had been going. Um, and now the IPOs go away. And so folks are fighting for that business. So that was a challenge of not having that new, new, I want to protect my renewal book of business. And so that was really what, what drove some of that and, and added that, that challenge. The new carriers, we see a lot of conversation about, is it the new carrier's fault that we had that activity and uh, part of it potentially, you know, but I think it's really more because the new new wasn't there and folks wanted to hold on to their business, right? And so uh, the new carriers maybe had a part some part in that, but it was really the existing long-term carriers that really wanted to hold on to what they had. I would say the other big developments and challenges for 23 would be on the claim side and what's happening there, which is why I think there's anxiety going into 24 of, can we maintain this rate and not continue to have this fall off in rate? Uh, but the SEC, the Department of Justice, the state attorneys generals, the consumer protection groups, all very active in 2023 and are expected to continue to be active in 24. And so I think you, com you combine that with the fact that, you know, more companies are purchasing uh, entity coverage for regulatory matters. Um, I don't think it's a huge percentage of companies that are doing it, but definitely more companies are doing it in 23 than they had been in the last three or four years. And so that adds to the risk profile for the carriers and things that they're going to eventually cover. So those are the, the things I would bring up. The other ones would be uh, rulemaking, a lot of new rules in 23 um, or new developments. And so those will play out in 24. We're starting to see some of that now, but Cybersecurity, obviously, is one that comes to mind right away. Um, and there's a lot of challenges with regards to those new cybersecurity rules and how that affects DNO insurance and, you know, what's deemed material to that company. Um, they've only got four days to report it. It doesn't have to be a direct issue for them. It might be a vendor of theirs that's causing the risk. And so that is going to develop for sure, but that's a new development in 23. Um, climate change disclosures, we'll see how those play out. But if you go and look at that, it's a 500-page document, um, and there's a ton of explanations of things that companies need to do um, with regards to climate change exposures. And so that will be a new development that plays itself out in the future as well. Um, what's going to happen with digital asset, digital assets, right? And the regulatory environment around that, there's a ton of activity there, um, but that's developing as well. So a lot of things happened in 23, um, a lot of challenges that the carriers were faced with and a lot of things that are developing uh, that will show themselves in 24 and, and even in 25 for the first time. So really interesting year for, for 2023. Absolutely. Well, stepping back a bit, if we may, to pricing, what's driving the significant decline in rates, particularly in public DNO, and can we expect soft market conditions to persist in 2024? 
Yeah. I talked a little bit about that in the, in the prior question. But I, again, I, I point to the fact of that new, new business really not being there and folks protecting their book of business. And so there's that competitiveness that just drove the rates down. I talked about some real big numbers with companies that had really high prices that saw significant decreases. The average company, though, you know, they're not seeing those. Um, they're seeing the double digit, you know, decrease, the 10 to 15 percent decrease. Um, and I think what we'll see in 24, there's a bunch of anxiety, as I talked about, is that, you know, best guess from talking to carriers and things that we're starting to see now is that, you know, I think the average will be in the single digit range around 5 percent down. Um, maybe a little bit higher than that, but we'll see how that plays out. But I think we'll continue to see a buyer's market. I don't know that, you know, it's going to be in the eye of the beholder. Do you consider that a soft market, you know, in the low single digits or is that some stabilization? I think there are pockets uh, that are truly going to be stable and have been stable. The FI space, for example, you know, there was a lot of talk in the spring of this year when Silicon Valley Bank went under and then we had a few others that what's going to happen in that space. Well, it's stabilized, right? We didn't see a huge overreaction by any means from the carriers and that's good, uh, but we're going to continue to watch that, but it's a stable market. Um, healthcare, for-profit education, a little bit more stable than some of the other spaces, but we will see rate decreases in, in 24. Um, I think, you know, the discipline, is the question. That's the anxiety piece. Will the carriers be disciplined um, about trying to protect their books of business going into 24 and therefore pushing rate? But I think we are starting to see some signs of some of the carriers walking away from renewals um, where there's a lot of competition on something and they believe it's too much competition um, and they've got a floor of where they're at. And now they're starting to actually do something about it and walking away from those renewals. So we are seeing that. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out for the rest of, of uh, 2024. Well, expanding on that and speaking of renewals, is there anything else we might expect to see in terms of renewals in 2024? Yeah, I, I think we'll continue to see um, coverage, you know, increase. I don't think we'll see a pullback in coverage with the pricing still continuing to be a buyer's market or at least stabilized softly going down. Um, I think we'll continue to see companies have the ability to improve on their coverage. Um, they may not know what that needs to be, and that's where a broker would come in to help them do that. But I think there is still the ability to improve upon you know, the, the T's and C's of coverage, but also that entity investigation coverage I talked about for regulatory stuff. How's that going to play out? And those that don't buy it will consider what's the benefit of doing that. Um, hopefully we don't see the carriers um, begin to uh, act by increasing their capacity on individual deals in a significant way anyway. We might see, we've seen some of that, you know, fives to tens, as far as capacity being put out on a particular client, but hopefully we don't see a huge shift to that. That usually starts to lead to problems down the road. Um, and I think clients would prefer a more stabilized market versus these huge swings up and huge swings down. And so hopefully we don't, we don't see those kinds of things. Customize your data experience. Best Link now offers an interactive company dashboard that provides company-level intelligence in a fast, user-friendly interface featuring interactive tables, charts, and Sparkline performance histories. Customize the dashboard tiles to prioritize the insurer ratings, data, and analytics that best support your workflow. 
AM Best. Our insight, your advantage. Well, speaking of deals, what are we seeing in terms of established insurers' interest in deals, and what does that mean for new entrants in the softening market? Yeah, everyone's chasing, without that new new, everyone's chasing the same deals. Um, And so I think the the established insurers are starting, like I said earlier, starting to put their foot down with regards to pricing range. And that's different for every client um, and how the carrier feels about that particular risk. Um, But we are starting to see discipline. And I think the carriers will do that as they look at their existing book and what they've got. And they want to keep it, but they want to keep it profitably. And I think there's a lot of that discussion going on in the marketplace. And then it, what's the, what are the new entrants going to do about that? Are they Do they feel differently about where the price should be on particular deals? And so there'll be that competition that, that kind of happens. And then clients will have to decide, you know, do they want to go with a historic market that's been around for a long time and has a track record on how they behave on claims, good or bad, um, versus going to a new market that, hey, the underwriters have been around for a long time, but how are they going to behave on claims? And it's yet to be determined. And so there'll be some interesting decisions that that clients will make. But I think, you know, that's kind of how we'll see that different kind of play out. Um, you know, clients should definitely consider all of those things when it comes to making a change if they get to that point of of having to to make a decision. Because fairly priced policies may not see significant decreases, is it driving a new shift? Is it important for the the focus to now shift on having the right coverage tailored to a company's specific needs? And what's needed to create that shift? Yeah. Um, Yes, is the the easy answer to that question. But what's needed to create the shift? Um, Obviously, I'm on the brokerage side of this business. Uh, brokers help clients understand really what they're buying, um, what they should be buying. Um, and then a client makes a decision based on those options that they maybe have in front of them. And and so a sophisticated broker um, should really be talking to you about clients or carriers that have an experienced claims team that have gone through challenging issues with regards to claims, know how to deal with a difficult plaintiff's bar, know how to build a, a broad coverage, right? A broad, a broad policy with their appropriate coverage. Um, but all that behavior, whether it's on the coverage side or on the claim side, is very important. And having a, a broker that understands the difference from one carrier to another, uh, I think is really important, especially when we get to these environments now where things start to settle into uh, where we're at. Um, but remember, it's not just about coverage. It's it's um, the counterparty risk, right? Not just the claim side, but what's that carrier's book look like? If they start to have claims, are they going to be able to handle a number of claims? Are they going to do they get themselves into a situation where they have to make drastic changes because they've got a number of claims now they're having to get paid? So all of those things really come into play, and it, it takes a sophisticated broker to to help a client understand what they should uh, be doing there. Earlier, you talked a bit about cyber. Can you tell us about some of the types of cyber risks that public companies now face? And do they present a growing liability risk for directors? And what are we seeing in terms of cyber insurance and cybersecurity related to DNO concerns? Yeah, I, I really do think we're, we're at a tipping point with um, cyber-related risk affecting the DNO policy. And, and I don't mean that uh, cyber risks uh, are going to be covered by a DNO policy, but decisions with regards to how a company deals with cyber risks, 
will start to fall into a DNO policy because those are DNO decisions really at the end of the day, and that's how the claims uh, will come about. But what we we are already starting to see a change, um, and everybody's read about solar winds that happened a few months ago, and you know the CISO being named uh, in that investigation. Um, by the SEC. And, and we expect that we might see more of that activity, right? The SEC is quite aggressive. Um, and with these new cyber rules that I talked about earlier as well, um, companies now have rules that they need to follow and they'll be uh, playing to, uh, the plaintiffs are very smart and they'll be coming after companies that may have misstepped there or they are alleged to have misstepped and they'll come after them. And so we will definitely see an uptick on the cyber side um, or, or cyber-related claims affecting DNO policies. The insurance carriers will ask a lot of questions about that just to make sure that they do have good governance and they have good policies and procedures in place to make sure they can follow these new rules. I think the other thing uh, that we've been talking to clients about is you know, making sure that the right people are insured under these DNO policies. Are all CISOs um, covered by a policy, DNO policy? It's going to depend, right? What is the language of your specific DNO policy as to who is an insured person? Every policy is a little bit different with who that is. And then how does that apply to your company? For example, are, is your chief security officer, uh, chief information security officer, which we think, well, the word chief sounds like a really important role, right? And it is, but is that a duly elected or appointed role uh, to be an officer? And some DNO policies might use that language. And so client needs to understand, hey, are we doing that with our chief information security officer? And if not, then we should be adding those folks by title or by name to the DNO policy. So there's a number of things that are affecting it. Definitely the exposures going up. We're going to see a shift, not a shift, a new addition of exposures on a DNO policy now because of cyber security issues. And then making sure we've got the right people covered under those policies is also very important. So Colin, I'm going to ask you to take out that crystal ball. As we look to 2024, what do you see for the DNO market? Do you see any big changes, new opportunities, new developments? You talked a bit about regulatory changes, new evolving risks. What what might we see for the market in the next 12 to 24 months? Yeah, I, I think all of those things, but I can break a few of them down for you that we, that we anticipate seeing. And um, I'll start with one that's really exciting for everybody, uh, AI. Uh, big topic, um, a lot happening there. Um, it's It'll be evolving as it starts to kind of play a much larger role in, in all things, but including business, right? And how businesses are run and how they run themselves. And so, you know, we expect a lot of regulatory framework to come around that. But we also expect that what we'll start to see are misrepresentation claims, um, from the plaintiff's bar with regards to AI. And then it'll turn into potentially claims for misuse of AI or improper use of AI. So we definitely see AI as a new thing over the next you know, one to five years. Um, and, and that will continue to develop a lot like we've started to see the digital asset and crypto um, claims start to come in. AIs behind that, but the, the digital asset and crypto world has a long way to go. Um, we're going to continue to see a lot of activity over the next few years there. We'll see a lot of regulation that'll come out of that too. 
So that'll be one um, that should be watched as well. Um, I think event-driven litigation has always been a big deal for the DNO insurers. And we know we're going to continue to see new events happen. Um, and we're the plaintiff's bar is always looking for someone to blame for those events. And so I don't know what that event is. Usually we don't know what's going to happen. We just hit on two of them, but those are ones that we expect. But what's the next one? We don't know, but we know they're going to happen. And so event-driven litigation will be will be big. Another one that folks are talking about um, with the new rules that are happening is executive compensation clawback. Um, the, the rules, this has been going on for a long time with Dodd-Frank. Um, originally, um, some rules were kind of put down and then they were sent back to the SEC. The SEC's taken a really long time uh, to finalize those rules. Um, and now they've kind of put some stuff out there and they've gone to the uh, stock exchanges to have them make it part of their listing requirements for companies. And so I think we'll start to see that become an issue um, in 2024. How that plays into the DNO insurance marketplace is very interesting because the new rules say that the company cannot buy insurance um, for the clawback of executive compensation. Um, and so individuals will have to buy their own insurance. And so that's a completely different marketplace. Well, it's DNO related. The premiums for that are probably going to be quite small. So it should be something that folks should buy because anybody that has any part of their compensation based on performance of the company, and then you'd have a restatement, um, their comp can be clawed back that was based off of that. And so, you know, is that going to fall to the personal lines insurers? There are some of those carriers that are providing that coverage, but that's going to be a very interesting topic as it develops into 24 and these rules take effect and we start to see it happen to individuals and they want to be protected for it, but it's not going to be, it can't be covered under their company DNO policy. Uh, that'll be a new one that'll evolve over the next couple of years too. So those are a few criminal proceedings are happening. They're quiet. It's hard to track because we don't see those things, but we're, I, we're starting to see an uptick in that. And so that'll be another one that'll continue to develop as well um, in holding people accountable under those kind of statutes too. So um, that's what we kind of see happening over the next couple of years, Lori. It'll be very interesting to see what the new year brings. Colin, this has been so informative. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you for giving me the time. I appreciate it. That was Colin Daly, Executive Vice President and Financial Lines Practice Co-Leader at CAC Specialty. For AMBAS TV, I'm Lori Chortis. Looking to get the attention of the insurance industry? We have the platforms to do just that. Whether it be AM Best TV, AM Best Audio, Best Review Magazine, or Best Day. Find out more by contacting our Advertising Services Business Development Team at 908-882-1706.